Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, get a friend to choose a story and their favourite things about each episode, and I have to try and guess what those favourite things are. Hello, Toby. Uh, my name is James Goss, and I write uh, things for Big Finish. I write target novels, and, well, that's what I do. And uh, you've asked me to nominate a story, and I'm nominating For to Doomsday because nobody else will, because they're all wrong. Because For to Doomsday is For to Doomsday. And I hope you're about to enjoy For to Doomsday as much as it's given me pleasure over many, many years since I first saw it. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Toby Haydock here. I'm sitting on an ever-decreasing sofa. I really need a new sofa. This one is collapsing under my weight i mean i'm not i'm not making aspirations to my own girth although i could do with losing a few pounds as i record this i've uh, finished off uh, the the excess of uh, consumables left over from the christmas period uh however um that is not going to diminish my enjoyment of this process although we are going to be watching for to doomsday as James Goss told you there, which I think is quite an odd fish, and I'm not sure what my opinion of it is. I I want to love it, because I think my my impression of it is that it has a certain offbeat strangeness about it. But then I'm reminded of some of its um, perhaps less, shall we say, competent moments. But let's see, let's see. I'm not... Any, well, anyway, let's not... I've got four episodes to get through. I shall perhaps uh, reserve some of this comment for when we're talking along some of the scenes where people are wandering around a spaceship a lot or watching some dancing. I'm delighted that my companion for this is James Goss, uh, who is a delightful fellow. I would urge you to seek out his work, although I'm sure you have. If you if if your Doctor Who consumption has got to the point where you're 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 uh, s- uh, sort of scouring through the dregs. Uh, of, of what's left available that you haven't experienced which is why you're doing this uh, the wine of who is drawn and the mere lees is left this vault to brag of um, and the lees being the sediment at the bottom of the barrel is uh, is 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 is, is a, 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 a comedian watching um a not very well known <laughs> peter davison story but james goss is an illustrious guest I don't know him very well. We have socialised on occasion and he's helped me out with a couple of contacts and things on occasion. But I like him. I don't want to embarrass embarrass him. I like his energy. I like his sense of humour. It, it, I think of it as waspish and then you spend some time in his company. It's not. It's actually very charming. He's not catty, but he's amusing. and He's quick. Uh, and uh, I love his writing. Uh, I love... The sense of humour that uh, that that leaps. So I remember he did. Did he do a production notes or he, he stood in for a column in Doctor Who magazine one month? I think it was a production notes. I remember being terribly disappointed that it wasn't Russell T Davis doing it. And then went, oh my god, this guy, this guy's really funny. He can really write. Um, and then of course I realised that you know he he wrote lots of other things. Um, and uh, I've had the pleasure of enjoying a lot of his work and a bit of his company. Um, so I'm thrilled that he's uh, doing the podcast and i'm sort of even more thrilled that he's doing for to doomsday because yeah i'd have fun with james goss watching 
Caves Van Trezani. But I somehow think I'll have m- more fun with James Goss watching Four to Doomsday. So um, with that in mind, I have my Brit box fired up and I am going to press. I do have it on. Should I be watching the Blu-ray? No, well, too late now. This is easier for me. Um, so I am going to uh, press watch from the beginning on episode one of Four to Doomsday. Thank you for joining me. Let's go into space. And I'm going to press uh, select in three, two, one. Um, so here we are. This is the first story that Peter Davison recorded, isn't it? This is his debut as Doctor Who because he'd been uh, given a few stories to bed in before recording Castrovalvo, which is, I think, about fourth, which is a kind of smart idea. Um, so his, his debut performance is sort of snuck under the radar. I remember being terribly excited at the title Four to Doomsday because I'm, I was not a fan of um, the single word Christopher H. Bidmead um, st- story titles. I know a lot of people love them because they're because they're vague and intriguing. Uh, but I wanted terror of the somethings, attack of the somethings. Doomsday is a great word. Doomsday weapon, of course, was the title of not a Doctor Who story that was actually called Colony in Space. But I had the book, and it was the Doomsday weapon, which I love as a title. I love the word Doomsday. Oh, and there's a modern Doomsday. Doomsday is a good word. This is an excellent opening shot, and I love this piece of music that was on an album that I had. Um, but that's a really nice you know they're sort of going for the big spaceship flying overhead that Star Wars does and it's not it's it's not quite the same but it's a reasonable approximation and the 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 uh, the, the the blue screen I'm assuming that's what it, yeah you can see slight bit of fringing but it's it's above average um, I think that's an elegant opening I actually like this elegant pace um, uh, you know the TARDIS uh, landing. Uh, uh, you know we see that uh, we have the spaceship, we have the quiet, wherever it is that the TARDIS lands. This I find a bit odd, though. I remember this, where we start with totally redundant action just to give everybody somebody to do. So Adric tells Nissa to go somewhere. She doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't need to go anywhere because the other two people are in. So that's a bit of business that's wasted everybody's time. Um, uh, but of course, it's a it's quite a crowded TARDIS. The design in this story is excellent, as is actually the lighting. Um, uh, you can see why sort of Andrew Cartmel, when he came in, decided to get rid of uh, sort of scenes where people chat in the TARDIS. But actually, I remember not minding them at the time because it was sort of it was it was life on the TARDIS. It was it was you know it was it was. It seemed to me an organic part of the show that you'd have the beginning in the TARDIS and you'd have the coda um, in the TARDIS where um, and there was sometimes a bit of business or a joke or something that that uh, that sort of bookended the story. And that felt sort of kind of comfortable. But now we we, you know, we've got no time for that in the modern world. Um, And I can understand that development. And I there's not an awful lot that thrills me about these scenes, but I don't. I, I I don't dislike them. Um, uh, I think this is nice. The 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 attempt to go 
um, okay, well, you know, we're not necessarily going to be able to, to breathe when we go outside. You can't do that with every single Doctor Who story. It's more likely that if you land in alien environments, you're always going to have problems as a, as a human or as a Time Lord or whatever, somebody with our sort of biological makeup, that, you know, the atmosphere, you, you know, every story would stop dead in its tracks if it was like, well, before we go outside, we've got to do all sorts of things and put on all sorts of gear. But the fact that the series will occasionally... Uh, go, oh, but sometimes we'll take that into account. Uh, Davison is working very hard here. He's walking around the set, stroking it, chef's kiss, uh, having fun, getting used to playing Doctor Who, um, and he's a he's a busy actor, which it, I've, I've said this before about Davison. Uh, he is he, very, I mean, he, he's still a very good television actor, but for television of this period where, uh, you know, you don't have the same kind of cutting where essentially you've got three cameras on a on a on a, on a three-walled set so when you see an actor go from one end of the set to another there's there's no sort of there's there's there's, there's you can't cheat much of it with with cameras and editing um so the actors have to keep it interesting and davison i think is an exemplar of that um the monopticans uh, grabbed by the monopticans is always funny i don't know why but uh, that this is a very good effect um i think they're really convincing and they're a nice thing you know you could, that could easily be done with just a security camera but the they're they're a bit of fun um they're a sort of setting point of the story you always want a sort of science fiction thing and the, the, the fringing on here is not bad at all uh, it's, it's imperceptible um so i think they're you know they're a very strong and they're a nice idea and i like this kind of he's taking his time yes he is Teague, and that's why you've brought me to what i was saying i actually don't mind it reminds me a bit of 60s who this in a way and in, in it's in it's sort of exploratory pacing now i wouldn't like it if all doctor who was like this and i probably wouldn't like it if doctor who was like this now but as an exercise in nostalgia um I, I, there will be an occasion where i quite fancy watching a, a story where people walk around a spaceship quite slowly um and i do like the gag of of um always missing Heathrow fatigue and I think that's quite quite fun I don't like the, the nice chap called Bert Russell is an attempt to joke that uh, in, in, yeah let's well let, yeah I'm, I've got to be positive I, I I do I do struggle with how they try to characterize Adric I, I know he's you know he's supposed to be a bit of a precocious teenager um but that precociousness needs to come with a certain sort of lovability and i think i think they struggle with that um i was in love with nissa um interesting isn't it because they're both very beautiful women but i i had my heart was for Nissa because i was younger i guess um but i want yeah i wanted to marry nissa i love nissa and i like her outfit as well i like her velvet thing um but obviously i i like the i've 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 since I had occasion to go for the stroppy, bossier ones of the Tegan mould. <laughs> so it's life's a journey. <laughs> I think the lighting here is excellent, and I think the set design by Tony Burrow is excellent. And Tony Burrow, oh, I failed to. I, I often get emails when they're doing making ofs for the Blu-rays, going, "Where, where are these people?" And Tony Burrow is an Oscar-nominated. Uh, set designer he got an oscar nomination for the film richard the uh, third he's been emmy nominated he's won a bafta 
um, was was designing movies till 2007. So you think, well, he's going to be easy to find. Uh, he's interviewed in the Doctor Who 20th anniversary Radio Time special as well, and there's a picture. So you sort of go, oh, well, he's, I know that, that that's now 30 years old, but I think of it as quite new because I remember when it was new. So you think, oh, these are all people that are about. Uh, and we never got hold of, of Tony, uh, who would have been a great contributor to the, uh, the recently filmed Two Doctors documentary, for example. Um, uh, and so you go, well, maybe he just doesn't, and I knew Richard Bigner had written and he'd not heard back. So you think, well, maybe he just doesn't want to be involved. So God bless Tariq Latif, who is Tariq Latif, who is a, 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 somebody I've engaged in many conversations with on Twitter, one of those lovely cyber spaceship, uh, cyber spaceship, cyberspace back and forth, who just mentioned that 20 years ago he got a lift with Tony Burrow. And I just went, I went, ah, oh, wish we could find him. And he went, oh, I'm still in touch with his son. And so exclusive, everybody, uh, Tony Burrow, who has not contributed to any of the DVD and Blu-rays, uh, uh, just spent last week uh, two hours on the phone with me. So as an accompaniment to this commentary on happy times and places we're going to have uh, not a commentary so much as we're going to have a little extra that is not available anywhere else uh, which is uh, an interview with Tony Burrow um, probably just a short uh, you know short gallop through his who's for non-patrons uh, my patron people uh, get stuff that is that, well they get it quicker which means they get it fuller because then I don't have to worry about editing it and I can just slap the whole thing. Uh, so there are advantages and disadvantages, I guess. Um, but I'm so delighted to have discovered uh, Tony because I, I kind of knew I'd, I'd worked at his brother's an actor called John Darrell and I worked with John years and years ago. He said, oh, my, yeah, my brother designed Doctor Who. And uh, so it's nice to find out uh, how John was as well. Um, uh, John, a very colourful, fruity Shakespearean actor. Uh, perhaps too big for TV, but he'd have he'd, be, he'd have been good in a Doctor Who. He'd have given a lot of colour to a. He'd have been an excellent Richard Mace or something like that. Um, but I've digressed. Apologies. I've, I'm, I don't apologise because I, f I feel there the may need to be some digression. Well, maybe not. Maybe this is more interesting than I'm giving it credit for because I think. Look at that lighting. I'm assuming it's Don Babbage doing the lighting. It's glorious. I think I, 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 I think it's really atmospheric. I think it conjures spaceship. I think it conjures technology, but it also makes for great pictures. It's it's really well done, and it complements Tony Burr's excellent, sturdy, double-level sets. Uh, and I love the way you see the light on the other side of that sliding door. Nice sliding door as well with an accompanying sound. So I think that the, the, the lighting, the sound, and the design are all working wonders here. Um... And I think John John Black's direction is elegant. He did uh, Keeper of Traken as well. Um, that's not to say it's it's, it's perfect, um, but uh, but I think it suits. Look at the light coming through the ceiling and coming from the sides, coming through the grills. Yeah, they're working really hard. I think because they realised that this is oh, and then the door slide. We don't see that door slide, but we see it slide because we see the light. Um, so I think you know, and I think because it is it is a you know it's setting up a mystery it's not telling us anything yet uh, or it's telling us little snippets and it is it's i think if it reminds me of anything it reminds me of of 60s doctor who um i think i've i've, I've said that because it, it i i don't think doctor who was ever quite as odd again as it was after the hartnell era actually uh, and yes there are stories that are surreal 
but surreal is a stronger word than odd. There are stories that are avant-garde, uh, which again I, I think is, a, is is slightly more robust in its strangeness than odd. I think this story is odd, and I think that is 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 one of the things in its favour. Um, how can things have penetrated uh, us is one for the fans of cheap jokes uh, at the expense of dialogue that is perfectly reasonable in context. But I've thrown it out there just uh, just because I like to please everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you can add your own punchline to that. Um, uh, but... But I, I, you know, I remember as a kid because this is a new story to me. You know, this is I'm, 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 I'm well remembering Doctor Who now, and I remember as a kid, aching for, you know, a story about Doomsday. Doomsday conjures images of. Well, I remember the, being a bit disappointed with the book of the Doomsday Weapon as well because it promised all sorts of alien creatures and claws and things on the cover, and it was it was colonists squabbling with miners. Uh, and I was, I was like, oh, and it's not even called the Doomsday Weapon because you read in the bits. It's based on a story called Colony in Space. So I remember being a bit disappointed by that. Ah, uh, I am Monarch. Uh, um, and I am Monarch. You look as if you might be. I'm, I'm, I, some of the jokes in this, I have to say, I don't get. Oh, um, and Enlightenment and Persuasion. I don't think we ever quite get decent, decent close-ups of uh, Enlightenment and Persuasion's masks. Um, uh Stratford Johns exudes uh, a, a laissez-faire authority, a natural authority. He's he's not acting big, he's not acting king, but he has enough presence that he has a quiet, just that that slight lean forward that he's doing. But he's not he's not spitting out his dialogue. He's Oh, he's doing he's doing a bit of enjoying it there, but he's he's generally he's sort of got he's got that sort of casual confidence about him. Uh and and he and he does all the sort of nonsense well. Um And and Nathan Turner liked his uh, his Z cars actors and I remember you know that was a thing whenever there was a Z cars person in a doc two somebody go oh yes it's so and so from Z cars and they all ended up doing it in the end most of them no Jeremy Kemp or Joseph Brady but we had Stratford Johns Brian Blessed Frank Windsor Jimmy Ellis um and I remember sort of thinking oh well because everybody knows they are from Z cars I'm not that excited about them and then you go back and realize quite how important Z cars was and how Damn good those actors were. Stratford Johns and Frank Windsor are extraordinarily good in those early Z Cars episodes because they have a naturalness about them that is is quite stark for for television of that time when you compare it to what surrounds it. And he was a strong actor, Stratford Johns, and I think he 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 does this 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 really well. Um, uh, not to mention uh, Annie Lambert and Paul Shelley, who I'm sure that we'll talk about. But I'm reminded that I remember not only was it called Four to Doomsday, it was written by Terence Dudley. Now, I didn't know who Terence Dudley was. I, I wasn't, you know, on point enough to realise that he was the guy that had directed Megalos. That's interesting, isn't it? That he's, uh, he's, uh, we don't really think about Terence. You know, we know of Peter Grimwade as a writer and director and a very different beast at both. But Terence Dudley sort of brought in to direct Megalos, which nobody writes home about. And then they go, can you write some as well? And there's some beautifully kind of cross uh, exchanges between him and and, uh, and Eric Saywood. I, Dudley doesn't seem to have been anybody's favourite person. And yet he manages to carve out a career at the BBC for years. Um, uh, but But for me... Uh, 
because I'd got a shelf full of books by Terence Dix, the very fact that somebody was caught, and I had an uncle Terence, um, but because the, you know I was, I wasn't, you know, my, my reading wasn't amazing because I was what when this was on, I was uh, six or seven. But I could, but I saw Ter- just the fact that it was written by someone called Terence to me evoked old Who, and of course everything that was on before I was cognizant or before my memory automatically had an allure and uh, and and a sheen of greatness because uh, it was before my time, so therefore better. I've always been a nostalgist. No, nostalgia is is things that you remember from the past. I'm I'm worse than I'm a nostalgia for time before I before I existed. <laughs> Um, is this one of your dropping times? Although the the subtitle said dro- drop it, is it dropping or is it dropping? The subtitle said drop in, but it does sound like you're saying dropping. Uh, I don't care. Um, this is not Heathrow Airport. Um, <laughs> uh, I l- I love the what Stratford Johns doing. This is not Heathrow Airport. He does as a sort of statement of fact, even though he doesn't sort of know what Heathrow Airport is, but. Uh, but then that laugh he does is is great that he's sort of he's sort of joining in but he's also menacing and it's a great mask is it Dorkin near who did the makeup I'm guessing it was she's also interviewed in that Radio Times 20th anniversary special which is a great stop off point for me it was where I that and Doctor Who a celebration in fact I'm going to do a podcast about uh, an indefinable magic, I think, about the celebration and the twentieth anniversary Radio Time special, because I think, I think they are the the things that that made me cross the Rubicon from boy to fan. <laughs> In just seven days, I can make you a fan. Um, uh, yeah, it is a really good mask. Um, uh, but. I love the fact that yeah, Adric grasps the theory of relativity, and Antigone is the best drawer in the whole world. I remember us. I remember my sister. I think was watching this at the time, and, and us go, "Would she? Wow, she's. I mean, they're really good. Uh, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed art, and I, I, I like that slight threat uh, that he gives because there's, there's not been an awful lot of menace apart from the fact that the aliens are green. But look at that." She's in a superb draftswoman, is Tegan. She's she's wasted on uh, 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 on uh, uh, getting lost in space. She should uh, she should be at the at art school. Um, yeah, and because of course those doors would have been quite clattery, uh, and you know smooth movement, bit of Dick Mills sound effect. Uh, and you get something special. And look, look how solid these sets are, uh, and the the double level and the robust. In a, you know, in a in a show that does have sort of weakness and clatteriness, uh, with control banks and scenery and stuff like that. I think this is great. Now this is interesting. Now pers- interesting box. Uh, look to the bottom of your screen, and I think you will see yes, the head there of a special effects person crouching behind uh, the control panel. Uh, I think now. I think, I think Stratford Johns is giving a different performance here. I've got a feeling these are his first scenes, so I think his makeup is slightly different. Um, but I also think he's been a, a bit more of a sort of gruff alien. Uh, and I think this scene and maybe his last scene, where he gets shrunk, 
are in here, and I think are in the first... I could be completely wrong about this. Yeah, I'm being... This is too primitive for my technology. I'm being doing sort of alien acting. And I think somebody's had a word and gone, I don't think you need to do that. And so then he's gone for the slightly more naturalistic and I think more effective. And I like unnaturalistic acting in Doctor Who. I like big acting in Doctor Who. And I think sometimes you need that sort of Shakespearean heft to to give grandeur to, uh, you know, or to, or to match the unusualness of the situations. But I actually think I like it when Johns goes the other way with that with that casual authority that he has, you know, playing against the 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 the, the strangeness. I if you say past the, I actually was at school with a guy who said past the sodium chloride, and I liked him actually. He was a nice chap, but I I find it massively punchable now. <laughs> Sorry, and I'm not a violent man, um, but. Um, <laughs> uh, now, uh, uh, apparently, there's the, the chances of Tegan knowing uh, this language are impossible. But it doesn't matter. I think it's quite nice when you have, uh, you know, she's she's a she's a companion and she's Australian, and they go, well, let's have something in the story that we, you know can bring that into play, even if it's just for a moment like this. I think that's intelligent use of the the companion, even if it's um, uh, totally unlikely. Um, uh, and I, 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 there's there's something very interesting about having the the, the different the different cultures. I, know, I I think it it could have been explored better if they'd given these characters a, a bit more to do other than dancing. Time spent dancing, I think, could have been spent you know examining the the, the cultures and 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 the different characters' reactions. Philip Locke. Uh, I can't quite get to grips with whether I think Philip Locke is brilliant in this or awful. Again, it's quite an odd performance. And in some moments, I find him heartrendingly beguiling and strange and offbeat. And other points, I find him really odd and tonally misjudged. But I, I, I find that a bit with the direction as well. I think I think some of it is sort of elegant uh, and some of it is clunky. It's a, it's a weird mix. And Bert Kwok... Uh, I mean, a legend, uh, uh, a, a national treasure, uh, and that's a terrible joke. I'm Lin Futu, you'd never have guessed it, you're in the best of I mean, that's a, that's awful. It's um, <laughs> just on every level. Um, and he's had a few of those, Davison, sort of witty comebacks to somebody saying their name or something, and him saying something, you know, vaguely, almost sort of racist, you, you know, you uh, I'll say something and you're, and you're a frog-like alien, so I'll I'll say something back that seems like a quip but isn't, and, and say with it. Yeah, um, the the jokes in this aren't great, shall we say? And Tegan's drawings have come to life, uh, which is a nice, strange thing. And you can see now that it's the wonderful Paul Shelley, excellent actor, and uh, Annie Lambert, who is in a lot around this time, and you have. One of the weirdest cliffhangers uh, in all of Doctor Who. Because, and Stratford Johns gets second billing. Love that. Love it when a guest actor gets uh, promoted above the companions. I don't know why, I just do. I think it's because I think Stratford Johns should be credited above Matthew Waterhouse. <laughs> uh, I think Paul Shelley should be as well. Um, Paul Shelley, if I, we'll, we'll talk about Paul Shelley in future episodes. Um, uh, but 
it's a really strange and I remember when it when it happened going oh I expected cliffhangers to be more like you know kill him kill him now and all of that but do you know what I kind of like it it's it's weird um, and because you don't have to wait till next Saturday either because there was two episodes a week I think it is a kind of oh, oh really what ah uh. um, and as I say this isn't particularly what I wanted of Doctor Who at the time. But I, I find myself, and, and also, you know, part of this is that I, I do get to talk all the way through it, which means that some of its, um, you, you know, some of the, 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 the time that it takes to unfold, I have managed to fill by gassing. That's the nature of a commentary. And if I was purely watching this, would I be checking Twitter or you know, having a quick go on the cricket game on my iPhone or something. I'm, I might be, but I think that's a that's a conversation to be had about our wavering attention spans. Um, I think there's enough in there that's beguiling, that's offbeat, that's strange, that's different. And, that, and hey, you know, one of the joys about Doctor Who is that is that infinite format that it has. And this wants to be a straight... I think, you know, the, the, the sort of mix of cultures thing is very interesting. We, we don't quite know what the plot is yet. There's a there's a vague sort of semblance of threat. There's certainly a, a, an interesting uh, villain that you want to see more of in, 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 in Monarch. There's, there's this... But we don't know what the story is. And it's a kind of WTF, as the kids say. So I enjoyed that, even though... Um, it is a bit strange, and I and I think you know, hands. You know, I think the TARDIS is a bit too crowded, and I think some of the writing of the Doctor and Adric in particular is is uh, leaves something to be desired. It's got it's got a it's it's sent as I say, its sense of humour is is uh, I think slightly skewiff, but it has other bits of sort of offbeat dialogue and stuff that I think are quite charming, and also I think. You know, Stratford Johns does just brilliantly with uh, with with some of the stuff that that he's given. He just makes it seem so right and seem so interesting. He's yeah, it's, good actors can just make um, you know non nonsense baffle go. I th I think the phrase I'm looking for is good, uh, that I know it's the it's the phrase that came into my head as soon as I before I started stumbling it. Good actors can make. Smell sweet is the is the phrase. Um, uh, but the thing I'm the, the thing that but the thing, and I I suspected I was gonna. Well, I thought I thought I might choose the sets actually, um, and I'm not I'm not just saying that because Tony Burrow has given me an interview. Uh, I, I've I've always liked his his work, and I and I remember the last time I watched this, being really impressed with the design work. But but actually, what really and I wouldn't be surprised if it gets mentioned again and, and probably becomes one of my things. Interesting, though, because James is a writer. He's going to like weird things because he's a funny fella. But but I, I have to choose the lighting, which I think is, I didn't even check, I think is Don Babbage. Um, I just think there's a really strong use of lighting there. And it's... You know, it's overcom it's 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 compensating for a lot of wandering around at c corridors, but it's just it's so inventive 
there's so much attention to detail in it and it's not just the the light streaming in from off when the when the doors slide open and coming through the grill but then there's the different colored lighting that that red stuff in the, that red hue in the in the uh, you know in the bay where the t in the in the laboratory where the tardis lands uh and i haven't even mentioned the music which i also like uh i'm going to say don babbage's lighting is my favorite thing about episode one of four to doomsday what is james goss's favorite thing about episode one of four to doomsday the best thing about episode one of four to doomsday is the corridors because it is the best looking spaceship that there has ever been in the history of doctor who and i think you should fight me ah the corridors do i get half a point for that i mean i did talk about the the set design that might have scuppered me for the set design as well damn um i mean the i did talk about how the corridors were lit well look if it comes to a photo finish which it won't um i, I might take a a, 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 a sprinkling of victory from to nudge me over the finish line from episode one but uh let's see eh? um well look uh we've got four episodes till uh, the doomsday of this particular run of happy times and place well only three now three to doomsday uh we've got four choices till doomsday because james has to choose one from each remaining episode plus one bonus thing so uh yeah we'll see we'll see if my vague crossover with james uh in episode one uh helps me with any of the the the, the four more choices till uh till i face the doomsday of yet another um failure to get anywhere close to a victory in happy times and places uh, i've, I've torturously tried to do two four to doomsday um appropriate bits of wordplay there to tie it in with this but i think it means i've made more sense of what four to doomsday means in happy times and places than i ever have quite with the story um but anyway um i enjoyed that i found that interesting and odd and strange and and i think it's partially because it's not a story i i've i visit a lot um see there's always something Doctor Who, isn't there? Um, so, join me for the next three episodes. But for now, uh, for now, um, enjoy the rest of whatever it is you're doing today, and uh, come back to me when the rest of these episodes go out, where I can guarantee you uh, a little bit of enlightenment and perhaps, perhaps, a little bit of uh, persuasion that Fort to Doomsday is not as bad as you thought it was. Uh, thanks very much indeed. Ta-ta. Well, thanks ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My guest this time around is James Goss, who can be found on Twitter at GossJam. I would like to thank him. I would also like to thank all the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include James Gould, Gary Gillett, John Ellidge, Mark Dakin, John Curley, Andy Case, Paul Carnahan, Alex Kafajoglu, Robin Bland, Rick Byatt, Will Brooks, Kevin Ashelford, 
Peter Adamson, Luke Atkins, Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Nick Tedston, Legion Henderson, and Ian K. McLachlan. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates, and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. If you would like to join that list of names, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, well, you could have listened to this about six months ago uh, and also availed yourself of bonus materials and exclusive releases. And there's various other bits and bobs as well, a bit of access, ask me anything once a month, that kind of thing. £3 a month is the minimum tier, and most stuff is available at that. There are a few little extra trinkets as you ascend uh, the the sort of scale of tiers, but it's fairly egalitarian, and uh, most stuff is available at uh, the lowest possible figure, which can get even lower if you sign up for a year because you get 10% off. So if you fancy that, that's a great way of supporting these podcasts. But I know that that is not always uh, desirable or even possible. And if it's the monthly commitment thing that daunts you, well, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock whenever you're feeling a little bit flush and um, flush my way. <laughs> uh, where you can you can guess where you're flushing to. That's where I belong. Um, but Kofi uh, is just enables one off payments. But look, I expect nothing. I'm just grateful to you for listening. But what costs you absolutely nothing at all, apart from a little bit of your time, is to go to iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts from and to give these podcasts five-star ratings. That just really helps to make us stand out from the crowd uh, and a couple of lines of review as well to give a little bit of colour, to lure a few punters in. Uh, well, you know, that's really very much appreciated. These are also available as videos on YouTube. The videos come much, much later than the podcasts, but go to Toby Haydock's YouTube channel, sign up, the stuff there. I'm also a stand-up comic. I do live comedy every Tuesday at the Breadshed in Manchester, a comedy night called Excess Malarkey, which is uh, very cheap. It runs on a not-for-profit basis, uh, but gets fabulous comics from all over the country. And uh, in fact, as I record this again, this will be in the past by the time that you listen. Uh, Joe Lysett is making another um, under the radar visit, which is what he does quite often when he's got new material to try out. It's his he's called it the best club in the world, frankly. So and he sort of knows what he's talking about. But that's the calibre of act we get through our doors. We also support grassroots comedy. Uh, we have a monthly version on Twitch as well, twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. That's also got an archive of the lockdown shows that we did when we couldn't do the live ones anymore. But we're back live every Tuesday at 8pm and those Twitch shows are once a month, first Sunday. fancy an avocado pear now quite, quite like the way he says avocado pear I do like avocado, I'm on a diet I've got a headache why am I on a diet? oh I don't know it's just as you get older you stop being able to do things you like doing apart from watching Doctor Who, that's the only thing I haven't been <laughs> the only thing I've never had to give up uh, <laughs> um, is that because it's not un- unhealthy? because it is unhealthy? no yeah, I've had to stop up things that are. I've had to stop things that are unhealthy and nice. 
And I think Doctor Who is nice, but it's clearly not unhealthy. It depends what your definition of unhealthy is. It's got fewer calories than an avocado pear. So there.